Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Shalon Bessie, and I'm here today with Esther Hatch, Tracy Hunter Abramson, and Sarah M. Eden. Recently, we recorded an episode about character traits that we enjoy including in our books. And I feel like today's subject could actually be a pretty good spin-off from that discussion because we're going to talk a little bit about what we think makes a good romantic hero. So let's start with that question. What do you think are the most important qualities in a good romantic hero? Well, I think like number one is everybody should fall in love with him, right? <laughs> 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 minor details. <laughs> minor, minor thing. We just have to write a character that everyone in the world will fall in love with. And <laughs> I think uh, it's the how is what we're supposed to be. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. The how. <laughs> Come on, Esther, help us out here. <laughs> yes. We all want this, Esther. Yeah. No, I think like some of my favorite romantic heroes are just um they're a little bit enigmatic. Like maybe they have like a second layer that um people really want to get to know. Um I think they have some little extra something that sets them apart from the crowd. And that can be like so many different things. So I just feel like those two things combined, like this feeling of like, there's something special about this person right. and he's maybe hiding something or has like a secret or um, like, I really just want to get to know him better. I think, I think those are kind of the two big things that I love to try and get in a romantic hero. Oh, I so, love those. Yeah. I should totally be taking notes, I think. <laughs> it's like uh, kissing scenes. Seriously, <laughs> we just need we just need to drain everything in Esther's brain on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like I kind of going along with what Esther said. I feel like sometimes it helps if there's something about them that makes them unattainable for the heroine. So you can see this in all sorts of different stories. Something as basic as Cinderella. The prince is unattainable. He's a prince. She's a servant. Um, or Darcy in Pride and Prejudice, where he's this wealthy um, landowner and she comes from a different situation. Um, and each of you do an amazing job with that in your books. I, I feel like whether it's that the hero has a high security clearance job like in Tracy's where the heroine can't get past that barrier. There's, there's stuff that she can't know about that makes their relationship somehow unattainable. Or if it's a historical one like Esther and Sarah, Wright, Where they have to overcome something in their past or, or something that, that makes them hard to reach, I guess. I think the other thing that really appeals to me is, is the core value system. Like that just plays a big part for how we see our heroes. So it's whether they have a great deal of integrity or they're just trying to develop some honorable trait. Um, we want them to be the sort of person we want to spend time with and someone we can count on. Even if maybe they aren't that way at the beginning, <laughs> we want them to be that way by the end. Sure. So. Yeah. 
And for me, I prefer heroes who don't want to kiss because then I don't have great <laughs> kissing scenes. Like maybe they have like chronic bad breath or <laughs> chapped <Sarah>. lips. <laughs> Sarah, you are oh, not true, helping with this discussion. A true Sarah comment. Yes. I'm just being honest, guys. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually was asked about this recently. Like, you know, what are the the romance relationships or heroes that I like particularly like? And I feel like, especially when I'm writing them, I want to write a hero that will treat the heroine in a way that I would want someone to treat my daughter. Mm-hmm. So and that'll look different in every relationship, but it's, you know, someone who, who loves um, her and respects her and um, enjoys spending time with her. Someone who isn't hurtful. So, you know, that, that kind of thing, kind of similar to what Tracy was saying, you want at their core, they're a good person. doesn't mean they don't have difficulties. It doesn't mean they don't have flaws or problems, but at their heart, they're not someone you would be afraid to be dating your child though right and you because of who they are intrinsically you want to love them yes exactly yeah 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 Yeah. so how important do you think physical appearance is i i know i've talked to some of the graphic designers who do our covers and you know we send in the descriptions tall dark and handsome (laughs) it's like yeah Never had one that's come in, you know, short, overweight, and covered in acne. I mean, it just doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't have the same ring. But having said that, you look at some books and movies, you know, Beauty and the Beast is a perfect example. The Beast is not handsome, and yet he is a hero before he turns into the prince. So what do you think? How important is physical appearance? Well, I, I've often said if a character's entire personality is they're super hot, <laughs> you're going to have a problem. <laughs> like, there has to be more to them than that. I feel like um, a hero being really, really handsome and really, really hot can be a very interesting thing to explore in a character. But for me, what's more important is there's something about them uh, that draws the heroine to them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they can be handsome or they have intriguing eyes or they hold themselves in a way that is, is in, you know, interests their significant other. Um, I, I don't think they have to be super, super hot, but they can be. How's that for a, a non-answer? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think basically what you're saying is that the core values that we talked about before are more important because yeah. they come through, right? Yeah. 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 I think the physical appearance, like a hot guy will say, I think it's the easiest way for an author to get someone interested in a character. Like if you have your main female person walking down the street and there's a guy just sweeping the street, but he's super hot, like most readers are going to expect, and she notices that, you know, I mean, that's part of it. Um, They're 100% going to expect that person to show up again. So to me, I feel like um, it's, it's easy. 
and therefore it works a lot of the time. But like Sarah said, uh, it definitely can't be the only thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. But like as as like a mom of not very tall children and married someone who is my height, like there is like like most of my characters are tall. It's like there is a little bit of expectation there. And I always like cringe a little bit the first time I describe my characters as tall. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know. But I have read some where they're not. And I, I love that. So it's one of it's one of my goals one of these days to at least write someone who's not tall as a main character. <laughs> so wait for it, guys. It's coming. All right. Well, well, Astrid, that's a really interesting point, too, because what makes it work is that the heroine notices what's attractive to everyone is a little bit different. So yeah. that's an interesting mm -hmm. way to also help your reader get to know the heroine. What is it that right. she notices? That huh? Right. We should be writing this down, Sean. We should be writing down episodes. Yes. <laughs> this is a fountain of wisdom by Esther. I like Man, it. Good <laughs> insights. I'll admit, I am guilty of sometimes, you know, I'll send in my forms to the cover designers that say, like, what my characters look like. And I'll look at it. And I'm like, here's a name. And then I realized I've not described my characters at all. I have no idea what they look like because I'm just guilty. Like, I'm usually worried about people staying alive, not what color hair they have or what eye <laughs> color they have, or you know, sometimes the height might matter more in relation to can they reach something, <laughs> you know. And so, <laughs> I really think. I mean, a lot of times they'll be loosely described as being, you know, handsome or good looking or something like that. But I really think it comes down to the actions are more important, and that's what we really connect with. Yeah, I agree. So I almost hate to ask this, but this is another one. Kay, get your, get your notepad out, Sarah. What about <laughs> romantic gestures? Okay, so what kinds of things does a hero need to do that makes him romantic? Is it as simple as, you know, opening the car door um, or something a little bit more subtle like Mr. Darcy flexing his fingers in one of the <laughs> one of the movie versions of Pride and Prejudice. What kinds of gestures would you say can help bring that romantic element to your hero? Okay, well the clenching fingers made me think of a story. Guys, I always have stories to share. Many years ago, when I was the MC for a writing conference, my husband and I made a little short film that was a parody of romances. And it was called Love in the Laundry Room. And it was two people who meet in the in the apartment laundry room and have this overly dramatic romantic moment. And probably every third camera shot was my husband clenching his jaw. <laughs> so Obviously, romantic gestures crack me up, but that's just me. Uh, in reality, I feel like an effective romantic gesture is one that communicates that the person sees and really gets and understands the person that they're in love with or trying to convince to be in love with them. Um, in one of my books, Charming Artemis, as I was getting ready to write it, I realized both of these characters, because of their unique histories, they were people for whom words weren't going to ever do it. Like that was never going to convince them of the other person's uh, undying devotion to them. I knew they would need to see it. They would need to be shown. And so I set a goal for myself to write a romance in which neither character ever mm -hmm. says, I love you. But by the end, I needed readers to know that they did. 
because that's how important the gestures were for them. And everyone mm-hmm. was about seeing and understanding what the other person needed on a deep level to know that they were loved and cherished and cared for. So that was a trick and it was a difficult thing to pull off, but it made me really stop and think, what do these characters need to see from each other? So that was an exercise in romantic gestures. I don't recommend (laughs) moving forward (laughs) that you try to write a book where they don't say, I love you, but it was important for these characters for that not to be the gesture because it wouldn't have worked for them. So I think each gesture is unique to the couple. Wow, yeah, that's agree. amazing. Yeah, I think the the deep emotional connections that come from understanding that goes beyond what other people see, I really think is the, the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's when a character is finding a common ground with somebody else and it doesn't exist with anyone else. You know, they're, they're again, being seen in a way that nobody else sees them. So it could be anything. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I love that and like... I feel like every book I write, it's one of the things that is hardest for me to be like, how do I show this? Because Sarah's right. Like, you can believe that I love you at the end, but getting there, I think, takes like a bunch of these little moments where these Mm -hmm. characters can see each other. I was going to go with the easy answer and just say like a really good kiss, like usually does the trick. Does that count as a romantic No, kisses gesture? never count. <laughs> I don't know why Esther puts up with us. No, I, I, I'm sitting there going like, that can't be it. That's not enough. Like, so I'm, I'm struggling. I was thinking through my books and I did have one really grand. And I think a lot of times it's the little ones that actually I love more. But as I was thinking over this question from Sean, I was like, have I done any grand romantic gestures? And then the only one I could think of is like the most pragmatic grand romantic romantic gesture any of, of any of my characters is where, so they couldn't end up together because his finances were too bad. So he spends a year fixing his finances so that like they can come together as equals. And like, it feels so pragmatic, but like, I just loved it because I felt like he saw like it was a core value of hers to have like because she came from no money and made money and he came from money and his family had squandered it so like to so to come together as equals um was like extremely important to her and he saw that and he he fixed his life so that he could be that for her so I did that was like my one I'm like that's my one romantic like grand romantic gesture <laughs> that's a very yeah. grand one so yeah, yeah I think I that mean, totally works <laughs> kind of pragmatic and not uh, no jaw flexing involved <laughs> did he flex his jaw while working on maybe. his budget maybe. maybe that's pretty Probably. romantic <laughs> Okay, I I don't know if I should even answer this after the poll in the laundry, but have you ever based one of your romantic heroes on someone you know, such as your husband? <laughs> um, it doesn't have to be your husband, but that is actually the best answer. So I know a lot of people can't believe that my husband has never read any of my books, but it is the best thing for me because I can use him mercilessly and he will never know. So, and and in all honesty, I don't base any character entirely on any one person, but I love using like just little, you know, again, kind, a kind gesture or kindness or humor or something. Um, So yeah, I definitely will pick that up off of whether it's my husband or somebody else who makes me laugh. 
Um, yeah. Those, I definitely use those. Yeah. I feel like the sense of humor, like I agree. I, I find traits from people that are real, but um, I don't think I've ever done a whole personality based on a whole personality. Right. <laughs> but for my husband, his sense of humor, I think is in probably a lot of my books or just the fact that most of my main characters have a sense of humor, or if they don't have a sense of humor, then like, that's almost funny at times, you know? So like, there's always like a little bit of that humor. And I, I, I definitely think that comes from my relationship with my husband. That's like one of our favorite things is just to laugh together. Um, I did probably the closest thing I've done to basing someone on someone else is actually my oldest son um, in my very first um Regency romance, which is also my first published book. My main character was very kind and um, not self-serving at all to the extent that it almost like was a detriment. And I had seen that in my oldest son. I really don't know if he likes hearing me say I've based on <laughs> 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 And he may probably doesn't love me and analyzing his personality that way, but he's just so kind. And like, even as like a two-year-old, he would always make sure his brothers got treats before he did. And so that was, I was kind of, I kind of took that and turned it into a, like my romantic hero flaw, actually. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's probably the most, the biggest one I've used from someone else. Oh, that's yeah, great. I'm similar. I borrow traits from people all the time. Mm -hmm. um, several of my heroes have traits I've borrowed from my husband. Um, I have a character who is very much like my son to the point that it was really awkward writing the couple of kissing scenes in that book. Cause <laughs> I was like, this is kind of weirder than usual, um, but <laughs> very much based on him. Um, but I have also in my heroes borrowed traits from uh, like with my uh, John Quill brothers and my gents series, those groups very much interact the way I interact with my siblings. So that's been an interesting dynamic uh, to see how that plays out. And while none of them are exactly like any particular member of my family, the banter and the teasing and the back and forth very much comes from the family I grew up in. So yeah, there are little bits of a lot of people in my romantic heroes. Yeah, I think that we're probably all on the same page with that. Um, it, it just... It's just really fun when you're able to see a certain trait. And sometimes for me anyway, I will actually not consciously do it. It's only when I go back and read it, I think, oh, I kind of know where this came from. And one of those is um, my husband is the type of person who um, when the grandchildren are over or we have some younger nieces and nephews, he's the one on the floor playing with the toys, playing with the magnets. Um, and I have a few heroes in my books that interact with young children. And I see that kindness, that willingness to listen, especially in the historicals when children were supposed to be seen and not heard. And yet these heroes go out of their way to pay attention to the children. Right. And, and if I think about it long enough, then I realize I'm, I'm pulling that from one of my husband's traits. Okay, so... Of all the books that you've read, this is kind of an unfair question, I have to say. Which one do you think has the most romantic hero? And I probably should qualify that. 
one of the most romantic there because you go. <laughs> there are so so yeah. many fabulous books out there so for me this one's an easy question <laughs> i'm a little obsessed with mr thornton from north and south <laughs> um i think one of the character traits we haven't really i think we have touched on it a little bit but but like to me, one of the huge character traits of a great romantic hero is he is so in love with the heroine. And that's why I love Mr. Thornton. Like he has this moment where he's he's been he's he's a self-made man, which I think is a great characteristic too. It doesn't always happen for my heroes. But um, and he says, like he proposes to her and she says no. And he's like, you know what, I've been too busy to ever be in love before but I am in love and I will be in love. But you don't need to worry about me like showing it very much to you. Like, like I'm not trying to be like creepy, but he's just like, I'm going to enjoy this. Like it's my first time of ever being in love. And like that moment gets me every time with him where he's just like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy the fact that I'm in love with you. And I'm sorry you don't feel the same <laughs> and I won't bother you, but like, I can't help it. And it's, it's part of me now. So I just, I love that. Yeah, that's so great. All right. Story time number two with Sarah. <laughs> My <laughs> husband told me, um, I think it's when we were still dating that when he was a teenager, he and his sister watched the Anne of Green Gables movies. And at the end of it, he turned to her and said, someday I'm going to marry someone just like Anne Shirley. Um, crazy redhead. Hmm. <laughs> Wonder how that worked out for him. <laughs> Unbeknownst to him, on the other side of the country, a few years later, I was a teenager and I read the Anne of Green Gables books and told my mom, someday I want to marry someone like Gilbert Blythe. Like, just loved him because I saw so much of myself in Anne. And to think there might possibly be someone who, who loved her and thus could love me, not despite all of the, the difficulties she has and the things she struggles with, but the entirety of who she is, like just the idea of that, that someone could see me flaws and all, and still just think the world of me and love me. That's what I wanted and hoped I would someday find. And I did. Uh, he, my husband is a lot like, <laughs> like Gilbert, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's so weird how it worked out, but so I think Gilbert will always be, the most romantic hero to me because that was this dream that I had and it came true. So that's oh, the one oh. I love. I, that I is love like that. the sweetest thing. I know. <laughs> I love podcast. your stories. They're the best. I do too. So best. Um, well, when I was thinking about this question, like I said, there are just so many, it's hard to pick one, but one of my favorites is actually one of Sarah's characters. It's Crispin in Kiss of a Stranger. And I don't know what it is about Kristen, Crispin. I think it's because he saves Catherine on every level. He saves her physically, emotionally, socially. Um, but he also doesn't have everything figured out. And so that mm -hmm. vulnerability makes him even more of a hero. So he does what he can for her while still figuring out how to be who he needs to be. And... Uh, I don't know. As much as much as Sarah poo-poos it, that book starts with a kiss. And so yes, that, that, that hooks all the readers right there. Yeah. I love it. And so this is it is, it's a really hard question. Um, I think the probably the one that I keep going back to is in my book Lockdown when Tristan um, finds out 
you know, basically this deep wound that um, the main character Riley has suffered. And, and so as she realizes that he knows what, what she's gone through, um, she kind of locks herself away and he just climbs the wall and goes in the balcony <laughs> or goes in the window of the second floor apartment. So I think it's just the, the humor of, I'm not going to let myself be deterred um, because I care that much. And so I think anything that it doesn't have to be a grand gesture so much as I'm not going to be shut out. So that's why that one comes to mind. Love it. I love that. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for sharing all of that with us. And we'd like to open this up to you as our listeners too. Um, drop us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube pages and let us know what makes a good romantic hero for you. And if you are watching us on YouTube, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. And we will see you next time on Between the Lines. <laughs>